guys, welcome to Minefields. My name's Joshua Michael. I'm reporting to you from outside the Joshua Michael estate. I'm smoking a cigar because I gotta be smoking something when I'm talking to uh, a good pal, Mr. Roland Doobie here. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's it going, man? Oh, it's doing pretty well, man. We're super sorry to hear that you uh, need the surgery and that you're going to be out for a little bit, but that doesn't mean you can't do a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's plenty I can still do. I just can't wrestle, I guess. Tony gave you some shit? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, just about everybody gave me some shit. Well, that's the one thing about Tony that I learned. Do not show weakness. Because he will never let it go. <laughs> but hey, oh, no, I, I, I can laugh about it, you know. Yeah, how did it happen, man? Um, well, I went up and uh, I did a promo, and I blamed the provider for breaking my foot. But uh, not really. I was, I gave the provider a double axe handle from the second rope down to uh, the outside, and the outside was grass, and my foot landed in a freaking hole and oh, broke shit. two minutes into the match at the taco fest yep oh dude was it even worth going to that was it a good show yeah i mean what i saw i didn't stick around for the main events and stuff i had to get myself to the urgent care <laughs> but uh but no it was, it was good it was it, it was fun uh what well, I saw of it, like I said, I didn't really get to walk around because I broke my foot. But. Well, we're just happy to have you on the show, man. I remember the first time I saw you was at a outdoor uh, smoking event, actually. Uh, I think it was here in the Springs, and I was last minute booked to DJ the show. And that was the first time I saw you, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, it's, it's, it's a weed smoking gimmick. I fucking love it. It's great. And then the more I got to know you and see you backstage, man... And uh, I got to tell you, man, uh, no smoke. We talk we talk about you a lot, uh, not just uh, your in-ring prowess, but also uh, just how good of a guy you are, man. Like, oh, you like, are you headed out, Doobie? Yeah, I got to drive to to Durango to uh, drop off Kincaid and then drive back. And like, wait, you drove and picked him up, brought him here. You went from Denver to Durango to the Springs, from the Springs to Durango, Durango to Denver. All in one night, just to make sure that your boys were taken care of. That is phenomenal, and it does not go unnoticed, man. Like, we, we love how good you are with the boys. Well, uh, that's like what you're supposed to do, right? Like, pay and dues. I, I agree, but it's not always what happens. But it's also not something that you advertise. It's, uh, it's something that you just do just to be a good guy, and I just want to make sure that you know that we notice. And uh, we're, we're happy to have you on the show. We're happy to have you at New Era. This is actually... Uh, until the 18th, your your podcast is going to be one of many, including re-releasing some uh, Minefields classics of uh, all New Era dudes, and can't wait to see you there, man. Oh, no, I can't wait, to. New Era is a great show. How'd you get involved in New Era in the first place? Um, I was uh, Googling... All right, so you know uh, that... Uh, that old, like, I think, I want to say it's from, like, 2016, 2017. But, like, uh, three local dudes got uh, squashed by Braun Strowman. Yeah. And I was looking up who those dudes were since I knew that they were local dudes. And uh, it was Curtis Cole, Tyler Stinson, and Johnny Proof. Yes, and, uh, 
So I wanted to look at, like, who's this Johnny Proof guy? And that led me to New Era's website. And uh, it just so happened there was a show coming up, like, that weekend or something. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I gave my buddies a call. Like, hey, we're, we got to go to this. It's at the comic book shop. We're very familiar with the comic book shop anyway. Good old mile. And, uh, and that just happened to be – it was a, it was an anniversary show. I don't remember what number. I want Like, I think seven maybe. Eight. I think it was, it was probably it, was like it, it had to have been seven because ten is coming up. Yeah, maybe even maybe even maybe even six. I think I think it was seven because uh, it can't have been more than three years ago. Oh yeah, it, well even then, like we didn't get to do the ten uh, year anniversary last year. Well, you know, because of COVID, and we'll. I'm still a little confused because I've heard like eight different accounts on it, but so so you go to the show and what happens, man? Um, what happens is that it was fantastic. We didn't realize it was an anniversary show, you know. So like they they really pulled out all the stops, and uh, me and my friends had a fantastic time. And then how'd you find? Was, uh, what school did you find? Um, I found a extreme. Uh, is a exchange gym twenty four seven was where they were training out of. Rest in peace. And uh, yeah, it was like uh, the show was on Saturday, and I was on Monday. I contacted the school, and I did a tryout on Tuesday. Who'd you get a hold of? I got a hold of Joey Kincaid. Good old Mister Kincaid. Yeah. Come on down to the school. Who trained you? Was it Dusky? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the majority of my training was with uh, Duff and with uh, I'm the provider, Mr. McDougall. Um, because kind of uh, like dudes from both promotions would train out of that same gym. Right, of course. Yeah, I mean, like the the Primos guys and the New Era guys, and uh, it's not like it was exclusives or anything. So I wanted to train with everybody. Of course, that's how it needs to be done. First bump, what was going through your mind? Uh, it was, this is hard. <laughs> that was what was going through my mind. It was, uh, it was really tough to make my body do that. Like, my mind understood what they were telling me to do, but my, like, your, your body just isn't meant to do some of the stuff we do. And uh, my biggest thought was just, like, don't hit your head. <laughs> right. Don't break your neck. And, all right, so you're going through training. You're working with the boys over at Primo's and New Era. And how how long did it take till you landed on the uh, the doobie gimmick? Um, oh, dude, it was uh, maybe around a year in. Did you even bother making any, like, sort of gimmick at first, or you just concentrated on your in-ring work? Um, I was playing with different ideas. I, I didn't have anything solid set in stone. Um, I was just using my suit name and practice promos. And, uh, you know, I was toying with different ideas, and some of them, like, they, they had mixed responses. I had a couple ideas that the provider was just like, uh, I don't think that would get over. 
What what were some of the uh, the duds? Um, I actually ended up kind of I'm doing something similar like that. I had an idea of just like a because like I I I had the kung fu to my gimmick because I did kung fu in the past. Bong fu, baby. and so I Love I had an idea of doing a dude who like thinks he's like super good at martial arts, but he just like sucks. He's just like. Like like Hercule from Dragon Ball Z, basically. Or the dude from uh, Kung Pao. Like we have trained him incorrectly as a joke. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly that guy. And like he would like maybe try to apprentice himself to like the, the different wrestling masters to teach him how. And he's always just like thinks he's the baddest. <laughs> and I can see now how like like you meant, I I can see it getting over a little bit, but that's not you don't succeed with that. No. Nobody wants to buy a shirt of the guy who thinks he's cool but isn't. Right. So we end up on uh, on the do- on the rolling doobie gimmick. Uh, it, it's it's a part of your lifestyle, isn't it? I mean, this is this is a total shoot. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. It was funny, like, talking with you backstage uh, back when I was head of production over at CSW. Like, you know, I want to do this promo with you, and we're going to get one of those crazy-ass mad scientist bongs. And you're like, yeah, okay, no problem. Hey, I'll smoke. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, it, it was just fun to talk to you. Like, you, you, were, you were willing to work. You were willing to hear ideas. Uh, you shot a, Every idea you gave me was great. I'm just sad I never got to do those uh, promos with you. But now that we're I'm with New Era now, we're going to be able to do that shit, man. Well, within a reason, uh, you know. We got a little bit more of an extra family uh, spice on that one, but I, I, I dig it. Yeah, yeah, that's something that like I've thought about like when it comes to my in-ring antics. I'm at more family-friendly shows. Like, maybe I don't want to have fake joints with me in the ring oh. or real ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I I don't think it'll be that big of a problem. I mean, if we were like in like Alabama, maybe, but we're in Colorado, man. Everyone here smokes. Oh yeah, like, and I I don't think I could get over as a as a babyface in Alabama, dude, <laughs> or like more play places like that. Like, I'd get instant heat just with my name. Has it been hard getting the Doobie character over? Um. Actually, no, not at all. Um, that I remember that show that you mentioned that like that festival. It was called Smoked Out. Yeah, and uh, that was my second match that night. No shit. Yeah, and like I found that at least in Colorado, like it's easy to it's easy to get my gimmick over. Well, you I get had- I get the gimmick over. I don't even have to do nothing cool. You already had, like, your own shirts, your own grinders, your own stickers, your business cards. Uh, don't you have your own rolling paper? Yeah, I got rolling papers, stash jars. I I had trays, but they all sold out. I need to get some more. Oh, that's excellent, man. That's good to hear. How did your uh, – well, well, before we get focused on, like, family and stuff like that, I want to keep, keep focused on the, uh, the Doobie character. Where? How did you land on it? I mean, like, obviously, you know, providers helping you out, and then you land on Roland Doobie. And how did it, how did it flow? Like, what, what what was the genesis? All right. So, um, originally, like, I was making this character. Um, 
like, I don't want to say the gimmick was necessarily assigned to me or whatever, but like the provider was suggesting to me that I make a, I can make a gimmick that's uh, related to uh, an old wrestler that I used to be around locally called Bud Duty. And, uh, so I went, I looked him up, watched whatever videos I could of him and stuff. And, uh, I said, you know what? I, c- I could run with a weed gimmick. And, uh, I brainstormed with a cousin of mine who's, uh, super into wrestling. He actually kind of got me back into wrestling. You know, lots of people take hiatuses from wrestling. I probably wouldn't be a wrestler if it wasn't for him. And, uh, he helped me come up with the name Roland Doobie. And I loved it because it's, uh, it's a funny pun in my opinion. Agreed. And, uh, then I just started working on it from there. I didn't have too much to go off of what Bud Doobie did. So I just kind of started trying to make it my own. Um, during the pandemic, when I wasn't able to be at training, I came up with the bong fu aspect. I loved it. And uh, I'm, I'm still working on it, honestly. Like, I, I don't think that Roland Doobie is in his final form just quite yet, you know? Hasn't done the full 46 and 2. Got it. Nope. Well, I love it, man. At, at first I was like, huh. But I grew up on a steady diet of Cheech, of Cheech and Chong, thanks to my dad. My dad wasn't a pothead or anything like that. He just really liked Cheech and Chong. And it was funny, like, it was a random story. Like, uh, I really didn't get their humor. Like, I just thought they were funny. I didn't realize that they were high all the time. I, like, because I was a kid. Like, I had no, like, I think the first time I saw pot was, first time I saw pot, uh, it was kind of pot. It was like a tiny little bud my buddy wanted to smoke back in like eighth grade. And it was like the size of like a, what do you call it? A, uh, a caper. And I was like, that's not pot. And then when I was unpacking in college at university of uh, New Mexico, my first year, I went there the first year and my roommate was unpacking. He's like, you got a problem with weed? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like weed, like problem with it. And he was like, well, I smoke a lot of weed. And then he starts unpacking. He's got these jars of the skunkiest shit ever. And uh, he's like, you got a problem with it? And I was like, no, I don't got a problem with it. Just if you, uh, if you get caught with it, because I didn't smoke. Uh, if, if, if you get caught with it, you know, just, you know, just fess up. And you can do whatever you fucking want. I don't give a shit. And uh, it was cool with it, man. He, he smoked me out a couple of times. Um, got the, just the idea of weed in the first place, because I got spoiled. Because <laughs> he always had the skunky shit in Albuquerque. And then I moved to uh, fucking um, Oklahoma. And I bought my first dime bag, and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And the guy was like, oh, that's good weed, man. And I'm like, no, this is dirt. And he's like, no, that's that's some good Mexican brickweed, dude. I'm like, what the fuck is Mexican brickweed? And he's like, it's swag, man. I'm like, I don't know what the what the fuck does swag mean. And he's like, basically to say, this is the cheap shit. We can't get good shit here. And I'm like, okay. So I paid like $30 for like a, a bag of dirt that barely did anything to me, even though I wasn't even a smoker. But then uh, we got you pulling out the, uh, you got the moose shit, the antler shit, turn you into fucking Frankenstein shit. I'm loving it, man. You got a good gimmick. Yeah, it's crazy how the difference these days, like, you can get anything in a dispensary, man. How'd you, how'd you first start smoking? Um, smoked with a cousin of mine. How old are you? I'm sorry, what was that? 
Sorry, man, I got airplanes flying outside. Sorry about that. I live in the direct path of uh, Colorado Springs uh, Airport. I, I apologize. Uh, oh, all right. H- how old were you? Uh, I was actually 18 when I first smoked. Nice. I was, I was, yeah, like, well, no, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, what year is it? At, at least close to graduating. It was 2009. 2009. All right. What do you do? Joint, bong, dab. Uh, we- we smoked out of a glass pipe. That was my first experience. How bad you cough? Um, not not too bad because uh, I was a cigarette smoker at the time. <laughs> the doobie so lungs. I was used to smoke. The doobie lungs were ready. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like my first dab was a different story. I coughed my ass off. Though. <laughs> my first bowl wasn't wasn't too bad. It was that that same like Mexican brickweed you were talking about. Does that shit even exist in fucking Colorado anymore? I don't... I wouldn't know where to find it, man. Like... We should find some just for some fucking nostalgic purposes. It's probably super cheap right now. Like, you could probably get, like, an ounce for $5 of that shit. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Just the the weird memories of that shit. Good old Mexican brickweed. It was... Hey, you can't... You can't diss it. It was there when you needed it. Oh, definitely, like... It wasn't a supermodel, but it got the job done. It stretched, that's for sure. All right, so... Cousin 18 smokes you out, and then what happens? Like, this is, like, this is it? This is is your shit? Pretty much, dude. I, um... I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I started, uh, spending my money on it. When I got paid from work, I was not quite graduated yet and then after I graduated uh, me and that cousin moved in together as roommates did your parents and, ever catch uh, you? yeah yeah my my dad knew that when I was 18 he bust your ass? no no he wasn't uh, he wasn't happy about it necessarily but he was also just kind of like whether like you're 18 like you better at least still graduate Huh. Interesting. I would have been beaten to death. <laughs> but, no, my my dad was. It's not that he was cool in that way necessarily. Like anything before I was eighteen would have been different. But it was at that point that like. He let you make your I own choices. Grown. Yeah, I was getting ready to move out already, anyways, and. You know my, my I don't know my. My dad just, like I said, I, I I don't think he was happy about it, but he didn't react like he would have reacted to it a year prior. I'll, I'll say that. Were you were you good at anything in particular, like rolling the best, fattest, tightest blunts? Um, nah, man. Uh, in my friend group during that time, I was the guy with the car, mm. so I could take us to go get the weed. Gotcha. That was that was my contribution to the group, and then like shortly thereafter, I was the guy with the apartment. You know, it's like I was still in high school, and I had this apartment, and uh, with no parents at home to answer to. That sounds like heaven. 
just an older cousin who was down to buy us beers. Wow, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet last semester of high school, I guess. You guys were probably the kings. No, no, not really. <laughs> you, uh... I didn't advertise myself that way. Like, with my circle of friends, it was all cool. And like, hell yeah, you know, let's go over to BB's house and whatever. But uh, everybody else, nah. I, I kept that shit quiet. I didn't want to get caught up. Cause right. You know, we were dressed. breaking the law, man. Like, we were, we were juvenile delinquents, technically. Now, now kids these days can't be juvenile delinquents in the right ways anymore. You, you said something that really like kind of rang a bell in my head was, uh, you were the guy, but at the same time, um, I, does the, even the the concept or the idea of having a guy anymore even exist anymore? You know, your guy that you, you know, you, you know, not over cell phones or you know, don't say anything, don't text. Uh, the 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 guy that you'd go get your shit from and you had to like. You'd have to smoke that one awkward bowl before you could leave because you couldn't get your shit and then just fucking leave because otherwise you're an asshole. Um, do, do guys even exist anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Like I've I've seen like memes about it. Like I think in places where they don't have dispensaries, they still have the guys and whatever. But like when everything became legit, like my guys like got with the times if i'm being honest like obviously i don't want to name no names on nobody but like my guys like first started uh like got the license and got the caregiver license and stuff like that and just kind of went legit um when it first started became medical like around 2010 or whatever and then in 2012 when recreational was good like did you have your medical card i did not what did they call it? Like your red card or something like that? Um, I I don't know. We used to just call it the weed card. I swear I heard and it called like, the red card. There would be dudes that had them that were like young, like even sometimes like 16, 17 I knew. But I was always uh, kind of doing shoot jobs that I didn't want to advertise that I smoked weed in my spare time. What does uh what does uh young doobie uh listen to when he's uh smoking some of that Mexican brickweed? What 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 record would you have put on? Um oh. Just depends on who I'm with cuz if I was with my one cousin, he was really into hip hop, so we would play like stuff like from like different like some local artists um or some like 36 Mafia type type hip hop. But, you know, if I was by myself or with other people, I'm more so listening to, oh, the same thing. I always listen to, like, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Faith No More. Oh, that's wonderful, man. You just said the magic words, man. I remember the first time I, like, I remember the first time on the way to a Perfect Circle concert, my buddy came to visit me in the dorms and brought some sticky sticky from Ohio. And it stunk my, it stunk my dorm up, and... Which was fine, but I'd never listened to Pantera High before. And it was like, and then he, he put on Stone Temple Pilots, and then we he put on Faith No More, and it was just like, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of drug culture. And 
and, and uh, let me be perfectly clear about this. I, I don't mind drug culture, but I do mind people that insist that in order to enjoy something, you have to be high. Like, uh, like I was a DJ for a long time, so like drugs were around all the time. But at all, but at the same time, though, I can enjoy like EDM, dance music, house, whatever, whether or not it was high or not. But everyone else, like, it had to be like a fucking thing, and it always really pissed me off. Like, you know, what? I, I actually agree with that, man. If it's not like, if it's not good, it's not good. If you got to be high for it to be good, then it's probably garbage. Yeah, then it's not good. You're just high. Like faith no more. What's your faith no more go to? Um, king for a day, fool for a lifetime. Oh, beautiful, good choice. I was a uh, yeah. That that album. I don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You go ahead, brother. You go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, that album is one of my albums that I don't... There's no songs I skip. I'm like that with Core. Oh, I love Core. Uh, that whole that whole record is just like... It'll put you in places, man. And each song is different, but it all somehow flows. I mean, like, it's so funny to, like, go from, like, sex-type thing and then to, like, plush eventually and... I really miss that man. How, uh, how'd that hit you? It was uh, it, it hit me. I don't know. Like I was sad, but it didn't like devastate me. If I'm being perfectly honest, because I, I wasn't even really familiar with the band that he was doing when when he passed away and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew like the stuff that I loved him. For I was in the past, and I, if I'm being honest, I hadn't kept up with him for several years. Yeah, Wyland, Wyland uh, going away was that hurt. But what really fucked me up was uh, Lane Staley because I just recently read an article about him where someone had interviewed him, and it took a while to find him because he was living off a shitload of residuals. Because you know, just they're gonna get that because it's you know Allison Chains, and. Uh, he broke it down for him like he like I don't get high anymore and but I shoot heroin like all the time I have to it'll kill me if I don't I, it, it just doesn't affect me anymore he was wasting away his his family and friends I think he was dead for like three days before anyone found out and that like that devastated me because it 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 consumed his life to the point where I mean could you imagine like not being able to get high anymore but still having to do it yeah, that's to, to not die. I mean, like weed and heroin is a totally different thing, but but yeah, no, that that's uh, it's it is really sad. And that's that one hit me hard too. I was I was pretty young when it happened, and I didn't really understand fully. But I just he was my favorite. Like that that was my favorite band, and that made me like just really sad knowing I would never be able to see them. Are you still able to listen to Alice in Chains? Oh yeah, and in fact, I I seen them uh, with their current lineup a couple of times. Like even like I mean the, um, mu- the music is good, but I'm I talking think about, their new stuff is good too. It, I've I've heard it and I, I agree, but I'm talking about like at, a, at an emotional level because like when you're a kid listening to Alice in Chains or even like a young adult, and it's a odd rabbit hole to go down when the lyrics 
really hit you as opposed to just being good music and most some people just don't give a shit about the lyrics anymore and you go older and they just don't hit you anymore because you're in a different place i mean you've, you've got a kid you've got a wife um you're in a totally different headspace uh, i i always tell people um that my close friends and i can't believe i'm saying this on air but if you ever catch me listening to alice in chains like not just like one song like more than one uh something is really wrong really fucking wrong even just thinking about it kind of fucks with me does it that's what i'm talking about like when it comes to how does it hit you Mm, it's uh it's different it's it's almost like it enhances my moods and stuff and then like i'll listen to the of course different songs and different albums to get on my moods but uh no, I know that, like, in particular, the Dirt album yeah. was always, like, very dark for me. And, like, but kind of the opposite of you, I suppose. Like, I would listen to it when I'm in the bad place, but because I I find the comfort in it. How so? How does it comfort? I, I, would, love, I would love the key to this, please. Um, I guess because when you just know that the person who was writing that song was in a dark place, even if you don't know why, when you're listening to the song, I feel like I, I can connect to that. And, um, like I said, dirt, dirt was my album to go to for dark place. A lot of times throughout my life, uh, for that reason, the, the despair in some of the songs. I have never felt such frustration. Or lack of self-control. God, he that was like a punch to the face. Yeah, and the way that he's... Like, yeah, even that song in particular, it's so explicit. And it's so... It's so raw, the way he's screaming, I want you to scrape me from the walls. Like... And go crazy. My, like heart, my heart rate's going up just talking about yeah, it, man. Yeah, mine too. Mine too, man. Like, uh, the girl on the cover was his girlfriend, and... Uh, she OD'd. Uh, that was pretty recent after the record came out, and that added to it. Like, if you ever watched the um, Allison Chains Unplugged, like, he just sits there and smokes and just looks at the ground. I've never seen a more sad person in my life. And I've seen Nine Inch Nails. Oh, dude, the, the moment when he takes off his glasses, like, sometimes I don't even want to look at his eyes yeah. when I watch it now. Like, those are the eyes of a haunted man when he takes off those fucking sunglasses. When he took those off, you're absolutely 100% correct, 100% correct on that, man. Like that, uh, it's, and especially after, um, and I'm glad we're talking about it. I don't want to get too dark too, for too long, but after, um, um, Daphne just died. Daphne just left us. And did you, I, I saw on all the rag sheets, you know, you know, everyone was, making their testimonials, you know, if you need help, ask. Um, difficult difficult thing to talk about, especially because, like, you know, like when she posted that Instagram video, like, she probably did it, like, really soon after that. And everyone was trying to find her. And then in the wrestling community, everyone was just, you know, if you need help, call me. Like, you know, 3 in the morning, that sort of thing. And I'm getting a little bit on a tangent here, but uh, do – did you follow that at all? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard not to, man, because 
it's it's everywhere in the community and uh and i think it's an important thing to remember i know several people who will just make those posts every so often like if you need anybody call me here's the the hotline number etc right um I think it's hard for people when they get into the bad spaces of their mind to to remember that anybody cares and to remember that like you can reach out. I, I don't know if you remember this, but um, it was one of the first times we were hanging out backstage, and you saw. Um, I stopped wearing long sleeves just because I just got tired of being hot all the time. But I remember we were backstage, and we were, you and I were chatting, and you, you looked at my arm, and then you looked up at me, and I'm like, I'm cool, dude. Don't worry, they're old. <laughs> They're old, but you, you, you still you still gave a shit, man. And uh, that, that I think that's one of the reasons I like you so much. <laughs> you, you, you didn't you didn't fuck with it, but you still gave me that look. I'm like, it's cool, man. We're we're, we're good. And there's a there's a lot of goodness in you. In uh, I want people to know that it's one of the reasons I wanted to interview in the first place because a lot of times when you talk about stoner culture, it can be written off real easy. I mean, like it's oh, we, you know, their whole life is about pot. I get it. All right, that's fine. Um, but you're making a fun character of it, caricature of it, but at the same time, you're a really good person and really look out for people. But let's go in the different direction. Uh, what what music would you do you recommend? Like when you want to get in the good head spaces. Oh, all right. Um, Sorry to hit you with so much so fast. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're getting really um. Honestly, a lot of. A lot of the same stuff. Like, I don't know. It's like the headspace is there. I just get pumped in one direction or another. Because uh, when, when I'm in a good mood, I might not listen to Dirt, but I might, you know, listen to Facelift. Of course. Um, or... Well, I'll try to get away from House and Chains, I guess. Yeah. They're, they're kind of my favorite band and stuff. Um, I like to listen to uh, to Failure. Oh, cool. Um, I like to listen to, in particular, I guess one of my good ones, I like concept albums. So, like, for Failure, I listen to uh, Fantastic Planet a lot. Um, there's an album by Childish Gambino that's... Uh, Oh man, I've heard, it's called Because the Internet. Oh, I've heard it. Yeah, like uh, I like to listen to that one. I, like I still like to listen to things that have sadness when I'm happy, though. Like I, I don't. It's not that because it doesn't affect my mood that way. I just vibe the energy in a different direction. If that makes sense, it does. It makes a hundred percent. What are some of the other concept? I'm a big fan of concept albums myself. Like, what are some of the other concept albums like you're you're a fan of? Like, uh, for example, uh, White Pony is a, another one that's a, a huge uh, one of my favorite records of all time. Or I, I assume you're probably really into anything Mike Patton even touches, uh, Mr. Bungle or Tomahawk or there's a lot of oh yeah a lot of art to that. Yeah, he does he does a lot. Um... Shit, dude, I'm drawing a blanks off the top of my head now. No, you're fine, man. I put you in a I put you in a corner. It's cool. It's cool. Um, I'm thinking of like old school, like Rush, you know, like like prog rock stuff. Or um, what are you listening to now? Um. Well, now I 
been listening to actually lately a lot of suicidal tendencies. Wonderful. Um, yeah, not not for feeling such a way, but no, I, I like it, the energy that they put like into that message. I guess. Yeah, their their name is a kind of a misnomer. Like they're they're not really talking about that. It's just a cool name. Like just listen to it. Yeah, they sound like more like they'd be like an emo band than a thrash band. Correct. For sure. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of misfits. I've been kind of on a punk kick lately. Have you been to uh, Chain Reaction Records there in Denver? I have not. It is the coolest record store I've ever been to. It it, it they specialize one hundred percent in metal and punk, and they're the the vibe like they do shows at the place. Uh, it's a really small. They like they skateboard outside. They sell skateboard shit. They sell punk patches. They um, to put it in perspective. I remember one time I went in there. They had a, a Kiss pinball machine. Uh, they had a, a box underneath the uh, the cheap stuff that was just it just said shit, just crudely written on it, and everything inside of it was a dollar, and it had like mud vein and stained CDs and shit that weren't even like like they didn't even care to like make sure that like the CD was in there like some of the cases were broken they didn't give a fuck <laughs> like if you want this fine you buy cassettes I remember I walked out of there one time uh, I bought a McFarlane Kiss Psycho Circus um, comic book a couple of old pro wrestling illustrated um, garbage nine inch nails on cassette a ministry CD and a Chelsea Wolf LP and I was happier than a pup to chow. Like, like it's 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 off of Colfax. Like, we got a. I went there the other day with uh, Brett from Dick Kick. He was completely blown away, but like, couldn't believe it existed. Like, it's what happens here in Colorado, man. Hmm. I gotta take you there, man. We gotta get you on. Right. We gotta get you on one of the um, uh, Guerrilla Warfare's that we film when we do uh, on the road documentary style shit. We'd love to have you on that, man. Like Tony, Tony's over the moon for you. I mean, he gives you shit, but. Well, I mean, he's got it, right? Like, if vets don't give green guys shit, then what do we even have here? I know, right? But you're not but, that green. Huh? You've been only you've been in the business for three years, but like, you know, you're on your way. Do, do people give you shit for for being the stoner guy? Um, no, man. Uh, like. Basically, everybody that I meet, even like out of state dudes, whatever, like they're usually pretty stoked on my gimmick when I tell them about it. Like people pop for Bonfu. Uh, I think I really hit a good one on that because like you hear it and it's like you know exactly what I'm trying to like say. Like you, you can get an idea of what it is, and most people they're like, "Oh man, that's cool." No, no one's ever like. I don't know. Like, I've really, mostly largely had good experiences with, uh, with the wrestling community. People come to me with ideas when I tell them about this. Everybody has an idea for the stoner. I've got a shitload of ideas for the stoner. We gotta do the Dave's, you gotta do it, you gotta do like at least three moves based off Cheech and Chong. You gotta do the Dave's not here. You gotta do the yeah. You gotta do the uh, the big bamboo. You ever uh, you, you ever uh, seen that record? I uh, I have not. It uh it comes with a 
if, if you can find an original or re-release, but it comes with a rolling paper the size of the fucking record. Uh, if you saw Up in Smoke, that's what they were using to roll that giant dog shit uh, joint. <laughs> I've uh, I've heard of that. Um, my uncle said that he had one, and they rolled a joint with the paper. You've at least seen Up in Smoke, though, right? Oh, definitely. I've I've seen all the movies. I just haven't heard all the records. Ah, oh, the old records are great, man. They got the uh, Blind Melon Chitlin. Of course, Dave's not here. We got uh, <laughs> Sister Gonorrhea. Um, yeah, there's. What are some of the uh, best uh, ideas someone's thrown at you? Um, like this one, like it, it would have to be, I, I don't even know when I could do it, but like I got the, I was given the idea to like get like a big ass piece of butcher paper to keep with me under the ring and like roll my opponent up into a giant doobie. <laughs> but find, like I, find a I'd have to hit them with something really big to, to manage that. We gotta find a big rug, big rug. Roll them up, pick them up. Someone in the crowd's gonna have a blowtorch. It's Denver. Um, I've gotten a lot of like people have given me the ideas of like different ways to use weed to like power up, so to speak. How do you feel about people actually smoking like before a match? Um. If- if I'm being honest here, as a shoot, I don't do it. Um, I I feel less than comfortable with it, um, depending on the circumstances. But also, I know other people they they do them. They understand their limits, and uh, it's it's on them what they think they can do. You know, like some dudes can have drinks and wrestle just fine too. So like I want to hold space that some dudes could get stoned and wrestle just fine it worries me i've i've just never tried it really um i did see like there was these shows going around uh right around when i got my gimmick called higher pro yeah i remember that and uh and like yeah like they would always like they would like take like dabs before the matches or like you know like have gimmick matches like that like you can't pin your opponent until the blunt is done being smoked and uh nothing bad happened in those matches so like i know that it can be done safely i've just i've never done it i've always been at regular pro wrestling shows where i want to put on my best performance and more importantly i want to be safe man like I would feel like garbage if I was stoned in the ring. It worries. To, it worries. To, to take care of somebody. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it. It worries. Like whether or not you can do it, I really don't care. Um, I just care about the safety of the wrestlers. I mean, you, you got hurt just doing like regular bumping, and it, it would. Yeah. Imagine if you found out that I mean, you know, obviously you know that I'm provider. I mean, Joey's a, a stand-up guy. I know he wouldn't do that. But imagine if it was a different situation. You're wrestling in a state, and some asshole was higher, drunk as shit, like did that, and you broke your leg. I mean, imagine finding that out after the fact, man. I'd want to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things where, like, I even felt a little bit bad after because, like, obviously, I kept wrestling the match, 
after I broke my foot, I didn't know my foot was broken. I just knew it hurt. And so, like, if I knew my foot was broke, I probably wouldn't have did stuff I did in the match. Like, like I suplexed Billy and stuff. I wouldn't have picked him up, you know, knowing that I had something that could possibly make me not put him down right. Right. And that's even just with that. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of my attitude on, like, I don't drink before matches. I don't smoke before. I don't. That's for after. That's for after. That's a, I, I agree. I agree. Well, you know, if you do or you don't, I'm not judging you. It's just, but just more worried about the safety of the boys and that sort of thing. But as, as we wind down, uh, you've had a lot of changes here. You've got little Doobie uh, there. You're, you're stay-at-home dad. That's the coolest thing in the world, man. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been sweet. Well, we, we uh, don't we don't mention kid names on the show just just for your protection. Um, but uh, you got. Man, I'm, I'm so stoked for you, man. Like, I, I, I couldn't wait to hug you. When I saw you at that Primo show two months ago, like, I almost squeezed, I almost squeezed the dog shit out of you. I was so happy for you. And the baby's beautiful. You, know, you, you guys deserve it. You guys are over with everyone, not just because you got a good gimmick, but because you guys are good people. I can't wait to see uh, Mrs. Doobie. Uh, she's the, the announcer over at uh, New Era, isn't she? Uh, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she'll be there. Um, she's got into doing announcing and stuff during her pregnancy um because uh she's a wrestler too no she's 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 been the, the biggest sweetheart to me since since the beating man it always means a lot to me being the weird goth guy because everyone usually wants looks at us sideways and but uh, i'm just happy you having the show I'm, I'm glad people are getting to see like a, a, a different side of you like you stoner culture is stoner culture but You've got your gimmick, and then you've got the real you, and I'm really happy that we got to... Goddamn, super clean. Uh, sorry, man. Um, I'm really got. I'm really happy we got to know a little bit more, a lot more about you, and you're super well-rounded, you're successful, you're a great dad, you're a great husband, you're unfortunately uh, hit right in the pine right now, but that's okay. Uh, I know that the, the boys over at... Uh, New Era and Primos and CSW and everywhere else you wrestle are going to be so happy to see you back in the locker room in a couple of months. But h- how do we find you on uh, on Inst- Instagram on the social media? Um. So all right. So on all the social medias, it's just at Roland Doobie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just so I could keep it simple and remember for all my logins. So like, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I got a TikTok. Just always, just at Roland Duty. Well, we're happy to have you. Easy for me and for my fans. Where where do we find you on OnlyFans? Uh, I don't got one of those yet, man. (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you, man, and I can't wait to see you backstage. You're still going to be backstage at shows, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll still be there hanging out. I got to support the boys. That's what Mr. Doobie does, and that's what. Walking through minefields is all about being a good person, expanding the consciousness, exploring different ideas. And, guys, uh, we certainly appreciate Mr. Doobie. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. All right, so this is a minefields recording. This is dangerous, and this transmission is over. Don't hang up.